This human, Cameron, is a patak who has no more honor than a shorn targ. All I did was not watch The Next Generation. I, I didn't know that was prerequisite to having Klingon honor. Silence, you who sniffs his own wrist. To pay for your shame, you will be forced to... Not the pain sticks. ...host a podcast. Oh. And you'll be watched like the Mokhtar you are by Rob. Yeah, you Mokhtar. And by Bobby. Uh, is this part of the contract? Regain your honor this week and watch Disaster. Kapla. Kapla? Kapla? All right, guys, we got a big episode this week. So just real quick, run down the line. Tell us a disaster that happened this week. Right now, my uh, home and workspace are disasters. I'm trying to rearrange and I can't. <clears throat> I, I, I have to move this table out of this room. And where do I put it? Oh, I have to put it in the basement. There's no room in the basement. I have to clean the basement to move this table to clean this other room. And then, oh, and then while I moved all these tables, I knocked over a box of clutter and this box of, of nails. <laughs> uh, it is like I'm at that point where. You have to like deconstruct the entire house before you can like begin to re, you know, put it back together. Understandable. I uh, had the disaster of not being able to find anything for my Halloween costume. I wanted to be the Riddler because I wanted to avoid face makeup again for like the third year in a row, but couldn't find anything. So I found a Joker suit and had a lot of face makeup for Halloween, but it looked good. So it looked amazing. Thank you, Bobby. I averted disaster because I subbed in a high school uh, math class. for High school math class? Geometry, oh. which I haven't taken geometry since I was 16. So that's uh, like 24, 25 years ago. But I am crushing it. Like I realized I learned more in two days as a math sub in high school than I did from my high school geometry teacher for a whole semester. So that's on you, Mr. Price. <laughs> Deal with it if you listen to this uh, podcast. Well, we just lost a listener. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. One star for Mr. Price for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through TNG. I am Cameron, trying to repair the damage I've done to my life by not watching The Next Generation. <laughs> and here to help me pick up the pieces, my fellow survivors, the Gene Hackman to my upside down cruise ship, Rob. We got to get this cruise ship right side up. The Kate Winslet <laughs> to my iceberg, Miss Bobby Blue. I'll never let you go. Oh, you got to go? Okay, bye. <laughs> and sharing the guest chair today, she just can't stay away, the Sandy Bullock to my International Space Station, Marcy. I'm gonna fall down to Earth! <laughs> and making her green shirt debut, the Faye Dunaway to my towering inferno, Dr. Emily Alder. He's my brother, no, my father, no, my brother, no, my father! <laughs> well done. Meanwhile, in the producer's booth, handing out pips like their Halloween candy, producer John T. Bolds. Have any jaunty songs for us, John T. Bolds? Absolutely. I have climbing songs all day. Valderie, Valdera. There you go. <laughs> if we start to panic, just chime in with that, please. If I, okay, well, you got it. If you Cameron it. starts to panic, let's face it. <laughs> all right. Well, Dr. Emily Alder, uh, mm -hmm. why don't you fill us in a little bit about your relationship with Star Trek? Well, I have seen probably every episode, the first 10 minutes, because I uh, faithfully watched during grad school in order to fall asleep. So mm. the first 10 minutes, I'm really good. <laughs> yeah. After that. Those cold opens, I you're mean, solid on. Yeah. It's really, it's soothing. 
Real quick, before we get too far, this is another quick round robin. I do want to know about Halloween. Did anybody else dress up for Halloween besides oh. Cameron or this Joker? I did. Um, it was a little obtuse. Um, <laughs> I went as Harold from Harold and Maude. I was going nice. to say either Harold and Maude or Harold and Kumar. It was going to be one of those two. Or Harold and the Purple Crayon. So you either are young or old if you jump to the, the former <laughs> or the latter. But yeah, it was Harold and Maude. Nice. Uh, I had to borrow like a news from friends. Oh, right, and right. they were like, why do you want a news? I'm like, I'm not suicidal anymore. I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah. Like I just, and, and Harold needs to, you know, but actually nobody understood it. When I took the news off, people said, are you Doctor Who? <laughs> <laughs> so. Marcy, you dress up. Did you dress up for Halloween? Well, I had got a costume to be Finn from Adventure Time, mm. but nobody ha- did a party, really, so I didn't go out and dress up as Finn. So that's next year, I guess, because I have all this stuff for it. But I worked on Halloween, and I was staring at myself in a full-length mirror dressed per normal for work, and I was like, you can't do this. You can't go to work not dressed up. <laughs> But old people don't know who the fuck Finn is from Adventure Time. So Shagun is Harold. <laughs> I was like, I got a pirate hat. I got a vest. I got an old par- parrot from my old pirate costume. And so I dressed as a pirate and it was like super popular. So nice. I felt really good. <laughs> you looked really good. Oh, thank you. Dr. Emily Alder, did you get a chance to dress up for anything? I was too busy dressing up. All my kids, so oh. I, I'm the mastermind of what costumes were they in our family. Um, we did classic, classic Halloween. So we all had, heralds, three heralds, yeah, three, four, four, oh, four um, heralds. Some of them Kumar, some of them. <laughs> and I went as a 40 year old who decided to start rollerblading again after 25 years. Oh, that's great. That's very so specific. basically bruised and broken. Yeah. I didn't ever eat shit, actually. It was not a pretty sight. But uh, no, I, I did not eat shit. I felt pretty proud of myself for that. I don't remember if I discussed this on the pod last year when this costume didn't happen. But I finally, after finding all the elements this year, I did wear my uh, my Freddy Krueger sweater with my Freddy Krueger glove and a Michael Myers mask and a green apron that said, Freddy Myers, uh, what's on your list to die? Um, oh, which, nice. if you're not from the Northwest, is a, a Kroger-owned chain store. Uh, so, yeah. We've got a full turbo lift here today and a lot of episode to get through, so let's jump into it. This week, we watched Disaster, the episode where Picard gets the shaft and Data gives head. I'm sorry, I just <laughs> I, get, I had to get him out right now. I'm done, I promise. Just wanted to get him out at the front. You stole my joke! No. <laughs> All right, so we uh, begin. The Enterprise is enjoying a welcome respite. You guys are always asking why they don't have any days off on the Enterprise. This is why. Yeah, but are they? Because right away, O'Brien's like, oh, I have to go do the simulation on the bridge. Yeah, yeah, right? He gets no vacation. He gets no respite. He's like, he's just slaving away, not getting any, like, real, like, actually dialogue. He just wants to get the last word in baby naming. <laughs> Speaking of not getting time off, also Picard has, like... His most loathed captain's duty, not engaging the Borg, not dealing with Romulan spies, but having to take primary science fair winners on a tour. Yay! (laughs) Mars is excited. Finally, we get to resolve Picard hating children. Well, not resolved. Is it resolved? Yeah, it is. Okay. (laughs) 
Uh, also, like if 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 the choice for your child's name was between Michael or Hero, always choose Hero. It's a much yeah. better name. Yeah, Michael is you know boring, almost as boring as Rob. Not mm. at it. Actually, Rob is more boring. <laughs> <That's> my <laughs> opinion. Uh, the other people who have kids, where did you guys have any uh, issues with the names? Any name fights? Uh, well, I had to have triplets in order for us to use all of our names. So <laughs> that was the only way that ever, anything got resolved was having triplets. Wait, Dr. Emily, you had you had triplets? I had triplets. I have. They're in the back. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But, sorry, right. Uh, when we found out that it was triplets, um, I cried a lot at first. And then um, <laughs> when we found out that it was two girls and a boy, that kind of we were like, oh, good. We don't have to fight about this anymore because nice. it was... It was a lot of fighting previous to that. So so that's the, you know, the long and short of it is if you want to stop fighting with your spouse, have triplets. Because nobody fights after triplets. I was going to say, after that, it's just smooth sailing all the way down. Yep. Every day. Picnic. We should say that uh, Emily's spouse was on guesting last season, Josh, with episode clues. So I'm pretty sure she's here just as a punishment to him. Now he has to give uh, four <laughs> kids a bath. Did he mention triplets at the time? What, did he have triplets at the time? He had triplets, yes. Did he mention it at all? No, I don't think he did. <laughs> he did not mention one child. Oh, <laughs> not one child. Nor Dr. Spouse. <laughs> I get that a lot, yeah. What are the chances of anybody going into labor during this episode of the podcast? Is anybody <laughs> m- moments away from giving birth? Just want to. Uh, I mean, never say never. I mean, I'm giving birth to a turd in about. Oh, five hours. I was going to say, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Dr. Emily's like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> She's like, no, believe me, I've done a lot of bathroom talk all day, every day. She has so. triplets. Yeah, exactly. It's like nonstop poop. Uh, Jordy sings a song. Oh, I do want to real quick before we leave the yeah. tin forward, though, because uh, there's a lot of fun stuff with Riker and the names and everything. Oh, but yes, yes. In the background, my favorite bit of business is Worf's background acting going on in the background. <laughs> yeah, he was like touching his belt. He's like, oh, what's going on here? I got to get that <laughs> dust off of my. Uh... Yeah, that was like a Klingon version of like picking the lint off his shoulder. Yeah, it was a yeah, weird choice. Know. But I do love that they made a point of showing how bored and disinterested he was with all the pregnancy talk. When we knew that he was going to become the most involved person with that pregnancy shortly. Yeah. So yeah, they should have foreshadowed it with a little of him feeling the tummy at some, you know, like Data feels the tummy. That probably should have been Worf with a little foreshadowing. I just love that they don't, though, because yeah. I, I, I think Cam's totally right that he's totally disinterested. And then suddenly he has to be the one that's like bringing this baby into the world. And I, I, I mean, yeah, I just love this. Episode. The foreshadow would be well, Keiko. Forcing, like grabbing his hand, being like, "Here, feel it," and him being right. uncomfortable with it—that would be the foreshadow. Well, maybe he can't touch it because he's going to like be too violent or something. Like his strength, right? Like the Klingon. Oh, Data oh, I'm ripping out of you. Data reaches forward. I'm like, no, no, Data. We know what happened to your first seven spots. Oh. Oh. But Data asked permission, which is a note to anybody that touches people mm. that are pregnant. Ask permission. Like a civilized android. Yes. Okay? Do you have to wait right. for an answer, or it's just <laughs> <laughs> okay? Yeah, sorry. So Jordy is singing in yep. Crusher. Not a great, not a great voice for that. Who, who's ready to prepare to sing that? It's Cam. You have to be ready. You ready? Uh, no. <laughs> I am a something of a something 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 something. something. I know. I, I'm familiar-ish with the song. What's it from? Pirates of Penzance. The Pirates of Penzance. 
I am the very model of a modern major general. I've information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. He's reading it off the internet. Oh, well, yeah. I'm still turned on. That's amazing. <laughs> Rob, you sang better than a Jordy. You did. Thank you. Thank you. I think if Crusher were here, she would be casting you in her play right now. I do wonder, is, that's my, my karaoke training. Uh, I do wonder <laughs> if uh, Jordy has karaoke lyrics in his visor. That cross, oh. You know, like yeah. Oh. I was a little surprised that he wasn't better at singing because I assumed he was. But then I was told that he didn't actually sing the Reading Rainbow theme song, which was a (laughs) shock to me. I, you know, all the years of my life, I thought that he was the one singing that song, which. The song with the female vocalist? (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) I just thought he, you know. Reading Rainbow. I thought I thought everybody everybody who starred in a show had to sing the theme song, right? That's like that's the that's the contract. I, I think that should be the new rule. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I sing our song. I sing our theme song right now. That's true. That's true. Our condolences <laughs> to all the fans. Is am I the only one that, that thought that maybe? Um, it sounds to me like he's not a singer. Like he did not want to do this. <laughs> I mean, I guess I kind of agree with you. When I was watching it, I could tell like. It almost felt visceral how much he didn't want to do uh, what Dr. Crusher was asking him to do, but uh, it was still a fun scene. I mean, what I like about all these little moments is that people that you generally don't see together are kind of together, and Mm -hmm. you get to see all these people in unique and interesting situations, so I love this episode. Before it becomes the Poseidon adventure. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I was getting some serious Poseidon Adventure vibes. Uh, yeah, but back up in the bridge, Picard's meeting the uh, the three smartest kids on the Enterprise. <laughs> boy. <laughs> oh, boy. They're just the winners of the science fair. Right, right. <laughs> They're little uh, kids. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about these actors, shall Let's we? Let's talk about them. <laughs> did any okay. of them go on to anything? Well, I did recognize one. Let me. Hey, can my... I can I interrupt? I always interrupt because uh-huh. there's one thing that I recognize the girl from. It's a, the little girl from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Dr. Oh, Quinn. Dr. Wow. Quinn again. I feel like we had another Dr. Quinn Yeah, person. it was the yeah. Gold Ducat guy that wasn't Gold Oh, okay, Ducat. okay. Oh, here so she is. So that is Erica Flores. Oh, that was they actually used her last name on the plaque at the end. I think I think all the kids used her. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doctor Quinn, indeed. Let's go. So she's in Twenty Four Things, starting in nineteen ninety, a TV movie called Kaleidoscope. Then we have ooh, a TV miniseries called Switched at Birth. That's probably good. Oh, that's dramatic. Just the one Next Generation. She's not going to go up to you know become a uh, series regular. Uh, yes, lots of Doctor Quinn. And uh, no longer working after a 2009 episode of House. Then this other boy, Blondie, the one obsessed with death. Yes. Is John Christian Grass. Uh, He doesn't have a photo on IMDb. That's a bad sign. He's in Kindergarten Cop. That's where I know him from. Is he the tumor kid? I think he's not. If he's the tumor kid, I'm going to. He's not the tumor kid. I think he's like some cross-eyed in it, isn't he? (laughs) Is he the... He's Kevin. He's Kevin in Kindergarten Cop. He's, yes, Kevin in Kindergarten Cop. That's right. Beverly's 90210, a little Quantum Leap. Uh, just the one episode of Next Gen. Yeah, I think you may remember him from Roseanne as well, perhaps. Uh, he's just like a – my wife watches that a lot, so I think he looked familiar. <laughs> uh, what sitcom has your wife not watched that you've happened to have seen every episode of It's Roseanne, of as well? Friends, and – I mean, really, Rose there's another Friends. one. Was the other one the other day? Um, and Golden Girls. Those are the three she watches over and over again. Smart lady. Uh, finally, oh, there's a little Babylon Five coming up in there. Little Doctor Quid Medicine Woman. That was John Christian Grass. And finally, 
uh, rad- the radish idiot. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> got in and got out. Max, Max Supera, uh, known in for three things, starting in 1991, Bells of Bleecker Street, and then Star Trek Next Gen, and then Doogie Howser. They were like, after he hit puberty, they were like, no. I can't believe he got, he got another role after Star Trek because he looks directly at the camera at least twice. <laughs> uh, so like, the parents are like, I don't think he's cut out for it. I love that Picard uh, feels he needs his action jacket for this uh, this mission. Yeah. The jacket is back it. Yeah. Just so we know, the girl is Marissa, Blondie is Jay Gordon, and Radish Idiot is Patterson. <laughs> Yes, the radish boy. So, I, yeah, I don't like radish boy. Is fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the kids were bad, but I didn't. They didn't detract from this episode for me. No. I thought they were. I thought I've definitely seen worse kid actors. They were right in the middle of the road for me. Yeah, I was fine with them. The girl actually, I thought was pretty good. She was great. Yeah, John hates them all. No, no, she is. She's the only one who even performed. At, John's like, the Picard of this acted, episode. So, yeah. He hates children. Actually, Dr. Emily Alder also hates children, but don't tell her. (laughs) Don't tell me. Don't let me know. Well, she does have four kids, so. I know. She was watching Picard in the elevator with three crying kids and being like, oh, cry me a river, Picard. (laughs) Try four. Try getting four in and out of a bath. With two broken ankles. Four children come out of your vagina. They didn't all come out of my vagina. Some were oh. cut out, <laughs> cut out of my stomach. So out of my stomach. Oh well, that's a that's a breeze thing. Yeah. Jeez. Oh yeah. Totally. Oh, no. That's Crash. Bang. More the, they hit Boom. a spaceberg. Hey, spaceberg. Space wave. Something. <laughs> oh no! The three dimensional chest fell over. Uh, I'm glad nobody was was playing space Jenga because they would have been that would have been over a game. <laughs> that would have been the real disaster. That's the disaster. And then, yes, all the, oh, hey, look at all these unrecognizable people on the bridge. I wonder how many of them are going to die. <laughs> Half of them. 50%. Only one, though, right? And I got to say that yeah. when that terminal exploded in front of Lieutenant Monroe, like, I had a visceral gasp. And I think I think that's when I texted everyone, like, this cold open is amazing because, yeah, like, we had all this fun setup, And then that was a pretty, I don't know, I, I felt that was a pretty intense explosion on the bridge. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of a lot going on there. Um should we? I know we just did 90 minutes. Should we talk about Monroe since she is about to die? Right, let's do it real quick. Real quick. Here we go. Breeze through. Let me. Yeah, Jana or Jana Marie Hupp is known for Independence Day. She mm. is SETI Tech number three. Okay. She's in the TV series Ed. She's in Barton Fink as a USO girl. She's nice. in Friends as Mindy. That's the woman that um, Jennifer Aniston's Rachel is wow. friends with, uh, who I think marries her. The husband she doesn't. I think to. Rob is just moonlighting on like all these other podcasts. He's got a Friends podcast going on. I could totally do a Friends podcast. Uh, she started in 1985 with Vision Quest, Ooh, Little Scarecrow, and Mrs. King. Uh, the sequel to Splash, Splash Two. That's Splash, comma T O O. And then recently, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which is a good TV series with. Um, huh. She plays a real estate agent. Thank you very much to Jana Marie Hupp. Let's talk about Jordy and Crusher for a bit, uh, just because I think this is the saddest disaster plot that happens. These poor, <laughs> these two, it's, it's just, it's the manual labor plot. Yeah. Let's move all these heavy barrels to the other side of the room. Barrel calisthenics, come on. <laughs> yeah. But I think they also take on the biggest risk, right? It's kind true. of, kind of, yeah. I mean, to be so boring, they take on a big risk. Like, you got to open up and like clear. Yeah. 
There's Plasma Fire. There's Quaram. The fire looks like Slimer from Ghostbusters. <laughs> I like I like that effect. That was cool. I like that. Uh, yeah, Crusher totally saves Jordy's life. Like he totally owes her a life debt here. But doesn't yep. he? Shouldn't he know that it's hot? Yes, like, yes, isn't his should, visor yeah. only? Yes. <laughs> his visor is heat sensor. Yes. Jordy. Yeah. This wall is hot. Where? That's the only thing he can see. <laughs> well, I think we've determined he has several settings on his fight. And and it was on karaoke setting at that time. We established that. So Issue solved. Bravo. Moving on. That would have been a punch up instead of where? <laughs> but yeah, he does back up. So Crusher saved his life by warning him. But then he saves her life by grabbing her one handed while space is attempting to suck them into its cold, dead void. I did love Beverly Crusher talking about like, we're go- are, we must like not breathe out. Mm-hmm. Like, hold your mm-hmm. lung air in. Yeah, she says it way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Emily Alder, does that all seem accurate to you as a medical, uh, as a science? Well, as- if- I, I don't know a whole lot about space, but if I understand Andy Weir correctly and uh, Pro- uh, Project Hail Mary, <laughs> they would freeze. Yes. So I'm saying yeah. not accurate. You heard it here first, uh-huh. podcast listeners. But Our no. doctor. Yeah, you want to exhale, especially if you know you're going to be depressurized. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 Andrew had some questions about that. We were watching yeah. it and he was like, I don't think that's accurate about the exhale because <laughs> the, all yeah. your air would just be sucked out anyway. Yeah. So, well, when Andrew wants to join the show as host, the guest host, he can talk. No, I agree. I agree. It seemed it seemed uh, Ill- illogical. <laughs> did anybody else hold their breath to see if they would survive, or did, is did. that just me? I <laughs> usually okay. do. I didn't this time. I was too too bu- too busy on my notes. I'm a consummate professional here. I would have died. I would have breathed out. I don't think that like you could you could you could not like how could that suction not blow you out? It's only fourteen point seven psi. It's not that much pressure in there, and they're they're not like in a tube. So it was a big door. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 the lack of pressure that they're fighting, not the lack of air. Okay. Yeah. So what you're saying, John, is that it's it's no big deal. So why does Beverly Crusher almost lose herself? Because it's and Jordy it's saves the her. lack of pressure. If you look at NASA did experience experiments in vacuum chambers with people, like they were like, all right. Play poker, we're going to drop the pressure. And they just had like five PSI. They just all, all just passed out. Like, oh, okay, so the human body actually okay. needs pressure. So Okay, yeah. never mind. Well, that's I, I'm familiar with being under a lot of pressure. I mean, I guess <laughs> from, carrying, mini. from all the carrying an entire podcast. Um, yeah, I just fall over all the time from pressure. Just, I'm done. The PSI. M- the PSI, mashing yo. of the pad was what was the most unrealistic to me. Oh, I think maybe the t- two <laughs> like buttons to open like, up the. I think maybe two buttons to open the sh- the door is probably yeah. not a great safety measure. Yeah, but yeah exactly. Beep. beep oh. uh, yeah, I don't know. I was, that, that was the part that I keyed on was like her like two steps and then mash and somehow that's the button that closes the door. Mm-hmm. My my thing with this scene was just everyone else gets to like crawl through Jeffrey's tubes and up turbo lifts <laughs> and deliver babies and Jordy and Crusher get to move barrels to the other side of the room. And then for nothing, they still have to suck him out anyway. <laughs> like, uh <laughs> Yeah. Well, but it was fun to hear them talk to each other about like to use engineering and 
doctoring together to decide how to manage this crisis. You know? Yeah, I liked I liked all their kind of interpersonal interactions yeah, for sure. Exactly. Meanwhile, speaking of interpersonal interactions, Picard and the children. Yeah, we talked about how he's stuck in an elevator with three crying children. His look was spot on. I loved it. Again, that's just another Picard expression I want blown up and hung on my wall. We're going to die. We're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to die. Oh, Kevin, who was your favorite? Uh, I did I did like the morbid blonde kid because, yeah, I like <laughs> Because he's morbid about his science project. He talks about, like, the lifespan uh-huh. of these these moths, the swarming moths of Gonal 4. So, like, <laughs> yeah, death is just on this kid's mind. They only live for 20 hours, right? <laughs> and then they die. And you're going to live for 20 hours. Oh. You're going to die, kid. You're going to die. We're not going to live as long as a swarming moth of Gonal 4. <laughs> That's it. I just like that Picard deals with this situation by basically making them officers. <laughs> well, Marissa, I need a first officer to help me. You're the eldest. And so, that makes you my number one. Number one? That's what I always call my first officer. I mean, it's so adorable. Also, you can just tell how much he loves having a number one. It doesn't matter if it's a kid or if it's an adult. Like, if no matter what no matter what situation he's in, any crisis, if he doesn't have Riker, he's going to name somebody else's number one. He's got he's to gotta have a number one. That's so true, but how come it takes him breaking his ankle in the turbo lift for him to be like, I can't just tell these kids what to do. Like, how come he's be like, I must trick them with... Because uh... it's fucking adorable. Well, but I don't know. I, I love that he does try that at first. Like, I mean, we, we you know, yeah. we get the whole story arc here. Like, he, first he tries to command them. He tries to captain them. And that does not work. They just cry more. Yeah, he wants to make true. them feel like they're part of the team, you know? Yeah. Like, we're only when he cannot walk. <laughs> And to your point, Marcy, like it, it shows like the, you know, just how great a leader Picard is because he he does need a crew with him. He he can't succeed by himself. himself. He's a yeah. good captain because he takes the best of the people around him and, and, and succeeds he uses, that way. He uses people the way like whoever, whatever skills you have, he's going to bring it out of you yeah. like – that's what is her name's Miranda? Marissa. Right? Marissa. So Marissa's this really shy, she's smart but shy, and he sees something in her, sort of like he sees something in Data, and he sees something in Riker. He brings something out of people that's more than just what is on the surface, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's great about John Luke, but also mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Stewart. I mean, I think his acting is what makes you like these scenes. I mean, not necessarily that the kids are good actors. It's just like, damn, like, he's finally get liking kids. He he realizes that, you know, they have something to offer, not just... Unless your science project was about radishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was was he sundowning then? Did he just forget, like, every other <laughs> officer position on the ship? Or, like, that poor right. kid. Wait, she gets to be number one. He's a science officer. And I'm the radish idiot? Yeah. What the fuck, Picard? <laughs> yeah. And that kid thinks it's great. He's like, oh, that's a great... Well, I wonder who yeah, the real... I wonder who. The, I wonder who does the, that on this ship. I wonder who's position... <laughs> yeah. uh, that would I be wonder... Keiko O'Brien. Oh, you're right. It is Keiko. <laughs> oh. Right. I wish that when he put a, the kid up on the roof to look for the... To check the clamps that he... I wish... Um, <laughs> I would, oh, I guess now. Never mind. I want. I, never mind. It's not the radish kid that's up there. Do if it, it was the radish kid up there, I would be like, uh, "Any radishes up there?" I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but no, it was Blondie. So never mind. It it is really cool that they did choose like um 
a female uh, number one. Yeah, like that. That is pretty cool. They chose a, a a young girl to play that role. Little call back to Mitchell Barrett. Yeah, but that was still, I think, um, pretty a- ahead of the times. They could have absolutely put a um, a young sure. guy in there. Well, speaking of female leaders, let's uh, let's talk about what's going on on the bridge. Uh, yeah. So first things first is our other unnamed crewman wakes up and what's the first thing he does goes and checks the door he goes and checks the door like he immediately tries to get the hell out of dodge or maybe oh you mean the guy that goes over to try and open up the turbo lift yes okay right uh yes uh, cameron arnett is that other oh. ensign uh whose name i just <laughs> forgot he's an actor in 60 credits it looks like according to what he's well known for he's in a lot of looks like christian um cinema ah. over overcomer uh, Meet the Browns, which is not Christian, but it's Tyler Perry who has that uh, leans that way. I still believe looks like to me like classic Hallmark uh, Christian. I'm sorry, movie. did you mean Star Trek alum Tyler Perry there? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, um, so let's talk about his pre-production credits really quick. Like he is definitely still working. He's coming up soon in Bigfoot and Countdown and David Starr and I Can and Trailblazers and Love One Another and Master of Dreams and Eleanor's Bench and Responders and Undefiled. Jeez. Those Jesus, oh, no. I hope we don't and, take that wrong. Cameron, but I'm like, how much stuff are you like doing? I'm sorry, there was more. Year. And Angels Unaware, and Making Him Famous, and Running the Bases, and Preach. Oh, and they've announced Special Forces Kids, the TV series. Oh my God. When you're in the Christian <laughs> movie business, they are cranking those out. This They're is uh, it. Yeah. So of the 60 credits, like that's what 12 of them are. Yeah, like, and those are all 2021. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No. Yeah. There's more than 12 in 2021. Don't say my name. The Bible says redeemed. Oh Jesus. Um. I'm. Literally. Um, so, yeah. We should have a whole podcast about his body of work, but not, uh, that's Cameron Arnett. Thank you, sir. Good, strong name. Yeah. He did one science episode, How to Go to the Lord. You know, you got to balance it out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That secular sci-fi starship show. <laughs> um, yeah, so are we doing the bridge story? We're on the yes. bridge. And I don't, I don't want to get too hung up on this, but I'm pretty... I feel like we've seen an episode where there was an away team that talked to each other on the comm badges while the Enterprise was not in orbit. Meaning that the comm badges should work independent of the Enterprise's power. Not if the Bluetooth is out. Mm. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but they've never had it where, like, the entire engine room is completely, like, gone. <laughs> Well, I mean, the entire ship has been gone from the solar system, so... Rob, don't you have something you usually say to Cameron here about this point? <laughs> uh, so, sorry, I received a text message at the same time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he got a message on his phone. Oh, I can talk oh, as long shit. as I want about the badges. All right, guys. Damn. Now, look. Here, there's exactly 37 microns of Killicams going through these. <laughs> let's let's take that again, Cameron. What, uh, say the dumb thing that you just said. <laughs> <laughs> no. Taking it, <laughs> Cameron. I, I, I no, I don't. I don't want to talk about it that much. I under we we need them all separated from each other. It just it was a thought. It was a thought that occurred to me. Yeah. So this is where we discover Monroe is dead, and I was kind of surprised they never mentioned how many casualties were on the show. Like it sounds like a lot of people died. Thank you, thank you. Does That's it? the only thing I will say. Well, not the only thing from here on out, but I will say, why didn't they ever talk about the casualties? Because it should be massive. What indicated? They usually do. What? 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 Uh, what were the indications? There was massive casualties. Well, Riker and Data said we must assume that the bridge is dead. Yeah, well, the bridge just says assuming. we must assume there's nobody in engineering. And even Troy, when she says, "Well, do you pick up any life?" She's like, 
either people alive, but there are still many there injured. Like, it should be hundreds or if, I don't know how many, what's the crew. There's no one in engineering maybe? when Riker and Data get there. Like, yeah, it seems to imply that Well, people... what the, how many people work engineering when the ship's not, like, uh, I don't know. Lieutenant Monroe couldn't have been the only person over a, over a sparking computer terminal. I was not under the impression there were hundreds of deaths. I was under the impression that, I mean, they, when they say, when Riker says we have to assume they're dead, he means, like, we have to act as though there's nobody right. on the bridge. They, he doesn't mean, like, I assume they're dead. He, he means we have to act as though there's right, nobody on right. the bridge. But That's he's how also we have talking about we're going to bring casualties into 10 forward. And... Right. Well, there's a literally no one in the engine room. So that means right. everybody Including, in the room is fucking dead. There's no dead bodies. There's yeah. no dead bodies. <laughs> there are no dead, Rob. Rob, <laughs> there look, are no... last episode, you learned to accept that people die. You, We've come to this. <laughs> Nobody died in the engine room. There were no, no dead bodies there. <laughs> okay, so you guys have been doing this for a long time. How many How many uh, staff are there on the, the There's 2,000 people. 1,013. What, wait, John, what? There's 1,013, including her friend Dr. Quace. Come on. So statistically, John, <laughs> based off of this uh, episode and the uh, interference they're dealing with, the containment breach and everything, how many people do you think died in this? Probably. Do you have to guess? Since they 10%, didn't tell us. 10%, John, John, I John think. You're, you're probably our best guess. John, how many people do you think died? I'd say between 5 and 10%. 5 and 10%. Okay. Uh, John, and what, what percent? <laughs> like, yeah. We're sorry, talking 50 um, to 100 so deaths. Yeah. yeah. Fifty to hundred people. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 I, that sounds about right. To, if I had to guess, but who knows? What do we know? Okay. Well, I'd like to take a moment of silence for those fifty to hundred we never got to meet. <laughs> that's right. fair. That's fair. Do you do you think they use the dead bodies? Do you think they put the dead bodies to be recycled? The matter to be recycled to make oh, yeah. more things. Oh, okay. That's how they this fix the enterprise. Okay, this is something <laughs> you've discussed before. Lieutenant Monroe is now the new uh, containment field. The new Earl T Earl Grey hot. That's right. <laughs> oh. Probably, yeah. Oh. A lot of water in a body, so yeah. Just because we were mentioning it, I do want to talk about like how great a leader Riker is in that moment. Like he just takes control of that situation. You know, I'd I'd be crying in the corner, but he's like, we have to assume all of our best friends are dead. Okay, get over it. Wharf, dead bodies, you're on it. In that moment, like to, he literally looked like he assumed Picard was dead. Of course Picard's not dead. Of course, he's he's dead in his soul because of the children in the Tipper lift, but he's not dead. dead. You know, like, like I really like I think that was like one of my favorite Riker moments because I really believed like Riker looked ready. No, he took that yeah, seriously. Yeah, but he's done like, that he took, before, like in the not like this. I don't. Think. Oh yeah, not in like the this. in the Borg episode, he like oh, took control yeah. of the ship and he was like, I'm, he was ready to. He oh he was gonna kill Picard. Okay. Yep, like You're he dicks right. around normally just because he knows Picard's got control of the situation, but when he needs to, he can step yeah. it up. No, I mean, you're not wrong, Bobby. Like, he, he comes off usually a little bit more emotionally invested in things and, and dicks around, yeah. But yeah, when Picard's out of the room, when he when it's him in charge, he does step up in a way, in a big way. Yeah, yeah when, it, when the time comes, Riker steps up and over the chair and down into it. <laughs> right, that's right. And he's like, good thing I got my, my beard pubes done yesterday. <laughs> That's right. Is that a callback? Or yes. Was that beard pubes? Okay, God, I forgot. How do you not remember the beard pubes? Right? I think maybe they're. Uh, I don't know. Do we call them beard pubes or uh, beards, beards pubes? down below? Pubes. That down was below. your PG thirteen uh, punch up. Beard pubes sound like he has pubes on his face, but we were talking about his beard down below. Beard down below. I uh, I uh, have blacked out that entire uh, discussion. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's. Oh, I mean, we we haven't discussed. 
Ensign Roe yet, who right. is back. Like, okay, so now you guys kind of implied that she was coming back, and people on Twitter kind of implied she was coming back. I thought that meant, like, they'd run into her on another ship sometime next season. I didn't know she was coming on to the Enterprise. Are you kidding? Not only coming on the I Enterprise, know. she somehow opens up the Turbo. She gets, list. like, a whole reveal. How is she, how can she open up? Because like, she's Bajoran, she... and Bajorans are badass! Yeah, more badass okay. than Mindel. <laughs> <laughs> His best friend just died. Come on. <laughs> oh, he didn't care. <laughs> Monroe. Check her. No, she like somehow breaks through the doors and is like, I'm here. Don't go that way. What do you need me to dissent against? <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. But I also love Deanna. Mm-hmm. Because Deanna sucks it fucking up, man. She... Takes control of the bridge. She's a good leader in this episode. Not and this right is at first. Not right at first, but I mean, she she, she knows to ask the people yeah. the right mm-hmm. questions, right? No, she does because, exactly yes. what I would have done. Yeah, like exactly. deer in headlights, I'm in charge. Uh, throw some suggestions my yeah, way. Exactly. She really telegraphs the like before things before she finds yeah. out she's in charge. She really telegraphs her lack of knowledge when she, she's like, I don't know yeah. what that, uh, whatever the right right uh, protocol was. I don't know what. But again, she's asking the questions. Yes, she has no ego in it. I, kinda, like, I guess she, I kind of yeah. wish that she just didn't. She wavers. Uh, just a tiny. I wish that she had just been like, I don't know what that protocol is. Instead, she was like, seemed a little bit. Uh, I mean, I know she's scared, but I don't know. There was just a moment yeah. where I'm like, I well, didn't quite was, buy it from her. I think she could have been stronger. Before the whole time. she knew she was in charge, too, was mm-hmm. that question. It's better that she doesn't say, we're going to do this. And she mm-hmm. says instead, oh, yeah, yeah. That's not my skill set. But I am in charge. I'll make the ultimate decision. Yeah, yeah that's great. I love that because when are you ever going to see Deanna Troy in charge of the bridge? Like in the end price. I hope more after this episode. She fucking nailed it. She's not interested in the cat's position, though. She makes that clear at the end. I don't know. When she sat in that chair, she just looked like a freaking goddess to me. She owned it, <laughs> and she could own me if she wanted to. I wouldn't care. She. I, I feel like, for me, the best part of this is this part, the storyline, the Deanna storyline, mm-hmm. is that finally somebody on the Enterprise doesn't know what to fucking do in a situation. Like, because mm-hmm. in all other episodes, like, they're all like, I know how to do geology, even though I'm a medical doctor. Like, everybody has right. all the different information about all the different things. And Deanna's suddenly, like, in a situation where she has to ask the specialists. Mm-hmm. And, I was, right. and, and also, O'Brien is not in any way condescending. He just gives yes. her the facts. And I was like, fuck, yeah, O'Brien. He's like, she's in this situation. He knows that she's in charge. And there's a reason she's a lieutenant commander. I mean, maybe she was Even just... Even Ensign Rowe does, uh, actually submits a little bit. She does, bit. yeah, because of the chain of command. <laughs> she questions it. She feels like, oh, my God, we have to give her... But then she goes, well, you know, Deanne Troy's asking the right questions. She's saying, like, what about this? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and she's relying on them to do their job. She's delegating. Yes. Without micromanaging. Exactly. Take a hint, leaders. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying, Marcy. Like, I do. Yeah, I love that. Like, she doesn't just know exactly what to do in that situation, except she does know what she has to do for her job. Her job is to ask the questions and make the decisions. And like, she, you know, whenever anyone's not around, like she hides the deer in headlights look, but when they're looking at her, she knows she has to be a certain way and say a certain thing. And she does that. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you get the 
the the competency porn in one hand, but also like yeah, again, a person not being perfect in the other. Yeah. Um, I have two thoughts about the angel and devil of O'Brien and Roe. One, uh, O'Brien, you're right, was pretty patient with her. I, there was a moment or two I felt kind of mansplainy. Um, See, I don't. He mansplains to Roe about. He never really mansplains to Troy. I think the line about the the quantum. No, that's not quantum. That's quantum theory. That's a different thing. Oh, that that. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought it was close. It bordered on a little bit mansplain. Um, and then I was surprised. Roe Roe being the kind of the rebel that she is, I was a little surprised she didn't mutiny. Um, I thought that was going to be I, her thing. Like, sure, I get that. I loved Roe uh, Roe's kind of growth here, though, because yeah, she's still definitely like doesn't respect the chain of command. She'll talk back. She's yeah, still rebellious, but she but has at grown. The end of the day. She will. She'll follow the direct order. She submitted, but she had to <laughs> just, she, you know, she had to like clench the turd that wants to come out. And then she said, okay, Troy, what do you want? I'll do it. She'd have to fight O'Brien. Roe and O'Brien. Can you oh. imagine? Because oh. that would be the fight. It wouldn't be Deanna because she oh. knows that if she actually tries to mutiny it. And O'Brien never gonna thought take her about out. that. Remember, like yeah. all I the never thought. war stories from it's way back be pain when. Sticks. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just gonna be O'Brien shirtless and bare knuckle, like bare knuckle. <laughs> that would have uh, been yes. a great. Uh, th- why didn't they uh, like maybe do a wrestling thing? Yeah, <laughs> some fun. seriously, Bobby, shirts off, people. <laughs> so, Doctor Emily, you are a counselor, is that right? I'm a psychologist. Yeah. A psychologist. I don't know what rank you carry, but have you ever been in a position where you had hundreds of thousands of lives? Not hundreds. Hundreds <laughs> of lives and uh, because of a warp containment field about to break down? Is that a normal occurrence? Um, probably, you know, once once a quarter or so. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. But only because my, most of my clients are college students. So, you know, it comes uh, up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you were in Deanna Troy's situation, Dr. Emily... Mm-hmm. Um, how would you diffuse the O'Brien and uh, Roe situation like? Mm. Um, well, I think the big biggest difference between the two of them is that O'Brien has attachment to the crew, to the, all the hundred, the thousand mm. and sixteen people, um, and Roe essentially just showed up. Right, this is her second episode. Two episodes later, yeah, yeah. So. Right. Um, so I would probably just remind her like that these are families and she doesn't have the attachment that O'Brien does. Um, so that maybe, maybe she wants to take a step back and think about that. This is, that these are, are people that they know that they have close relationships with literally creating life, um, bringing life to 10 right. forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, Roe will have those attachments, but doesn't quite yet. So she should ask her WWPD, what would Picard do? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of that a little bit, I did want to ask you guys, what do you think both Guinan and Barclay were up to during this? Uh, Shooting another movie. Yeah. Where is Guinan? (laughs) Shooting Ghost. Right? I don't know what's 1991. Um, It's about the right time. Yeah. Yeah. She got knocked out and Roe left her behind. <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> She's on the other side of that bulkhead. Yeah. <laughs> a guy in an appearance would have would have uh, bumped up this episode, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, and it's already a pretty good episode. Bumped up. But it might it might have ruined it because if if Guinan was in 10 forward, like why do you need Worf? Yeah. Like why do you need 
What if it was Guinan in you know, the like, Jeffrey's tubes and she had to put her body through the arc of electricity? <laughs> oh my god. Just not well, her hat. Hilarious. She just had to throw her hat through. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't remember when this exactly happened on the bridge, but they did have to run the Alpha 2 procedure, and I just wanted to say that is my second favorite procedure. <laughs> I, I'm not familiar with that one, Rob. Well, uh, you wouldn't. Could you? Oh. Rob's, Rob's pretty familiar with being Alpha 2, so. No, no, no. <laughs> second favorite procedure. That's supposed, that's what you're supposed to get, like, after you turn 50 or something? <laughs> yeah, you do have to get a, a number two procedure. Um, uh, two things about O'Brien. Like, who knew he was such a Boy Scout? Right. Uh, yeah, improper procedure. Who knew he was played by the rule book? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, when I did some research, though, I think the reason they made uh, Ensign Rowan O'Brien so heavily informative in this scene or this episode is that <clears throat> they'd already made plans to transfer Ensign Rowe and O'Brien to um, Deep Space Nine. But I think this is why they tried to show O'Brien actually kind of like lighting up and, and actually giving him yeah. some uh, lines is because he mm-hmm. does transfer to Deep Space Nine. But um, the actress, Francine Rowe, she decides to decline the offer. And that's why we get the other. Uh, but, um, Major Kara. Yes, Major Kara. Yeah. So without without Ensign Rowe deciding not to transfer that actress, sorry, I forget her name, um, we wouldn't have Major Kara. So I think that's why you see them in this episode. They were trying to prime it for, like, now we're going to start this new uh, Star Trek show, Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine, which O'Brien obviously does go to. Um, but Ensign Rowe said, eh, thanks, but no thanks. Ensign Rowe sure. doesn't go to Deep Space Nine, but she does make an appearance in the in the prequel series Deep Spaces 1 through 8. <laughs> <laughs> Cam, I'll, I've marked the time code, Cam. We can cut that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, highlight it, because you're going to want to put that on the clips, uh, on the internet. <laughs> the the dead clip. silence following it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is also, like, let's, get, let's give it, not to keep... Um, tooting a brian's like horn oh, toot, but toot he, he has to imagine that his wife and his almost unborn baby could be alive but could be dead and he still rises to the occasion he still he doesn't let his emotion take over i mean he could like like how did you get those doors open ends in row he could like climb up through i don't know there's Whoa. gotta be like manual shafts and stuff he could like make his he'd be like fuck you all i'm going to get my wife kool-aid no, man stand- his way through all the walls <laughs> <laughs> yeah no he's he stays there and he expects that his wife and his unborn child are dead and he still does duty i mean like that well <laughs> i don't think the, sorry <laughs> i don't think he thinks they're dead i think he thinks the only way to save his wife and child is to be on the bridge and to make sure we get the engine room from exploding. Like, he doesn't know, but we know the Enterprise is more about hope than despair. So he he hopes that his wife is alive and his child is alive. We've been through 103 scrapes equally as bad as this and gotten through. <laughs> yeah. God beings. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but I did. I mean, this episode did. I was on the edge of my seat most of the time. Like, I felt it really, like, built the tension. There were moments where I was like, I don't know how they're going to get it. Like, because you get that Poseidon Adventure feel. You get that, like, despair, that dead ship in space. The shots of the Enterprise from outside with the lights off. Like, it mm-hmm. looks dead. It's cool. Yeah, it's a cool shot. So, yeah, I, I mean, I love that about the episode. The only thing that I knew from the beginning that would happen was Chekhov's pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we would need to. <laughs> If you got a pregnant woman at the beginning of a disaster episode, she's given birth by the end. Yeah, that's real, real predictable. 
But it was fun. Yeah. It was tropey too. It was very tropey, but because of Worf, I think it's it's a really great scene. Yeah, that's the yeah. best. Yeah. The <laughs> best birthing scene I've ever seen. Well, are we in moving any to ten forward? I can talk to, a bit about that. Oh, I'm ready please. to move to ten forward. Please give me the wolf. Uh, uh, I do love just before she goes into labor, though. There is this great moment where, like, she's checking on people in the you know wound the wounded wharf springing in the wounded. And Keiko walks up to this lady with this giant yeah. gash on her cheek, who's like got the ice pack or whatever, like a foot away. She's like, "Here, cover that up. No one wants to see that. Just, <laughs> oh. just cover, cover your gaping wound up, please." She's reminding her it needs pressure, Cameron. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Come on. I mean, she has a head wound, so I don't blame it's her. That's fair. That's fair. She's, she's but yes, She's I love shock. that. I did like that little. Here, move your hand up. Yeah, <laughs> guide that up. And then Worf. I like when Worf sets the bone, and he says, "You." You bore that well or whatever. <laughs> you yeah. bore that well. I think this is my favorite wharf thing ever. I mean, I just, it's so funny. It's so <laughs> and well, And funny. it's just so great seeing Worf deliver for once. Pun intended. Oh. Like, but he, he's, he's, he, he gets to succeed at something. It's so refreshing. I have something very important to say. <laughs> um, in this episode, he is the mid-wharf. Thank you. I love you so much. I want you to take that oh, laughter. I can't you were sitting on that this entire time, Rob. That's such patience. Oh, I, um, I want you to go and take the laughter from that and put it after my jokes about um, Deep Space 1 through 8. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh, my God. Well, was anybody else expecting Worf to, like, bite through the umbilical cord? Oh, <laughs> that's rad. That's good. That would have been, I, I think that would have been a, a, a greater thing if he was like, and Klingon culture. And she's like, no, no, no. Oh, no. Get the laser. Or if he bat Get left, the laser. If he bat left it. I do love um, <laughs> when she asks if the baby's turned. And he looks down with like, don't you know? Turned into what? <laughs> right. <laughs> All of his stuff is the most hilarious, like, start. That is, like, the funniest shit I've ever heard. I forgot how funny, like, Worf in this episode is, like, probably actually the funniest shit ever in Star like, Next Generation. It's pretty great. <gasps> Congratulations. You are fully dilated to 10 centimeters. You may now give birth. Oh, that's what I've been doing. <sighs> Bearing down is the next stage. It should start at full dilation. <laughs> Why has it not begun? I don't know. I don't think it's up to me. It happens when it happens. Computer simulation was not like this. That delivery was very orderly. I think the actress who... I mean, I've never given birth, but I think she did a pretty great job of acting that scene. Maybe we should go to the expert, Dr. All I can say is, if if you actually gave birth that quickly, uh, there'd be a lot of tearing going on. It's, sure. That's not a pretty. That's not pretty, and it's not comfortable. Yes, but Ugh. you you don't have in real life births. Don't have to worry about commercial breaks. So no, that's true. <laughs> I know. Kiko does do like that. Actress does a very good job playing off a of wharf. I mean, like mm-hmm. birthing scenes are kind of obviously usually annoying or weird in tv shows or movies well yeah we we get the i am pushing line like in every birthing scene like she had to do the stereotypical tropey stuff but yeah it was fun but i think she plays like perfectly off of that Mm -hmm. um and they even showed excuse me they even showed like um the like the 
I mean, they don't show the baby coming out from uh, her <laughs> vulva, her okay. vagina. Director's like, cut. They they do show like toes, and there's an, <laughs> a really realistic umbilical cord for 1991. I have sure. to oh, say yeah. that umbilical cord. I was like. Okay, a bill of court. I'm giving you two snaps, like for 1991. That's pretty. That's better than like the the films I've seen in the last 15 years that can like do that. Big chunk of the budget so, for this episode was that court. They, but they spend yeah. like five minutes talking about what what his name's going to be if he's a boy, but then he's a girl, and they're like, a eh. hundred. That was like I feel that's the one missed opportunity of this episode is that we never got a resolution to the baby's name. Yeah, Worf like where's or Brian Warfette? <laughs> yeah, I was totally <laughs> expecting it. Warfalina. I yeah, don't know. Like girl name and then Worf is the middle name or something. I thought yeah. I they definitely should have somehow gave him a gave her a Klingon name. At least oh yeah, just that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, like Kalar. <gasps> Kalar, exactly. Oh my God. Oh. They had done Kalar. Oh, Worf would have started crying like oh a baby. Oh my god. I just made this episode even better. Um, yeah, the the tropes, the mar- the the, uh, the birthing tropes. It's funny to take the birthing tropes and then add Worf. Like that's pretty fun. Like <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna exactly. like, if you're gonna just like, hey, let's see how Worf reacts to the the standard television birthing tropes. Okay, that's why it works. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of squeezing things through tiny tubes, I guess we'll go back to the elevator shaft. Sounds good. <laughs> the best I got. <laughs> I want to stay here with you, Captain. Patterson, you're an officer. You have to obey orders. I don't want to be an officer anymore. I want us to hear with you. If the captain stays here, we won't make it. We'll all die. We don't have time to argue. You must go now. The crew has decided to stick together. We all go, or we all stay. All right. It's not a tumor, Jay Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) It's so like kindergarten cop with Picard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good call. Should have just pulled his goldfish out of his pockets and be like, "Want to play with these goldfish, kids?" <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the ferret. Yeah. I got the ferret in my pocket, Jake Gordon. <laughs> Why don't you play with my ferret? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, don't Mars. do it, Jay Gordon. Don't do it. Stay away, Jay. <laughs> Did anyone uh, come up with some lyrics for the laughing Vulcan and his dog? Because I really want to hear them. Please. Yeah, thought about that. Someone take a stab. What Picard comes up with is like the worst climbing song I could ever imagine. <laughs> he loves it. Frere Jacques. Frere Jacques. I mean, come on. Like every one of these storylines, Andrew and I are like repeating word for word back at it. I mean, that's how good this episode is. We haven't rewatched it for a long time. And like... Picard comes on the screen, he starts going up the tube, and Andrew starts singing it before Picard. <laughs> I mean, that's how impactful this episode is. So he likes the Frere I think that, like, if that was my climbing song, I'd be like, take me, I would rather die with the turbo lift. Like, don't make me sing this. Just do the, just and, do the Alien 3 and, fall back into the lava. It's like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> Pretty sad. We did suffer, speaking of casualties, another loss in this scene, apparently. Picard's action jacket went down with the uh-huh. turbo lift. Oh, no. oh my god! Yep. Big so pour one replicators, out. right? Like the replicators can make like, clothes or just food. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he has a closet full of those action yeah. jackets. He's good. He's good. Real quick before we get to the ladder, I thought it'd be funny if when they're and he's getting the kids to open up the panel and get the wire out to be used as a rope. That he was mm-hmm. like, Marissa, I need you to push this button and this button, and then uh, emo kid, I need you to yank on those cords, and then hey, hey uh, Patterson. <laughs> 
Any radishes? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need radish songs, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Just anyway. mercilessly roasting the kid. <laughs> <laughs> If, if Jean-Luc Picard if, would have known how big hip-hop would have been before they did, like, if they would have known after 1991 how hip-hop was exploded, it would have been a hip-hop song. You know, like, they would have been, like, rapping up that ladder. What would you have chosen, Bobby? Paradise by the Dashboard Lights? or I would have I would have implored the writers to actually actually write. The laughing Vulcan, a future song. Yeah, like just just let let them sing whatever song you create instead of like doing another 20th century or 19th century reference and illusion. Uh, Emily, Doctor Doc, what what's uh, what's some of your kids' favorites? Oh, Perry Grip. It's raining tacos. Oh yeah, <laughs> what? Yeah. Sing that. What is that? What is it? It's, it's raining tacos. Yeah. I'm gonna have to Very find this for my kids. They'll love that. Very recently yeah. featured on a John Oliver um, report on homelessness, just really yeah. recently. Well, oh. There you go. Last week, actually, I did one time. I think I've told the story on the pod before, where uh, uh, we had taken a raft to a beach, and then the, the the motor on the raft busted, and we had to kind of swim out to the raft and get the oars and paddle back to the boat. And I had the kids sing "Row, row, row your boat" to uh, oh, calm yeah. them down during that. Better deal. Wow, that is so extremely a parallel to this episode, right? Like, that's why I told like, the story. Really? <laughs> yeah. So maybe for Jaka is maybe I was too harsh on that. Maybe you just have to like calm the children, get the paddles, get in the boat, get. Okay, I apologize. Cameron like, should have come <laughs> up with an original track. Yeah. What about like a, a <laughs> Klingon cat shit or Klingon something? Klingon death know. whale. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, I'm hooked already. Okay, so would you prefer that if, like, your children, let's say, like, there was a show about your children, and they were like, instead of doing It's Raining Tacos, they were like, <laughs> you'd be like what update it it should be i mean that's what's so charming about the scene though bobby because oh picard, my god really yes because it's picard because it's picard chose the song <laughs> because it's not about the kids it's about picard the and kids wanted to sing the vulcan song yeah, they wanted exactly. what you They're wanted like, bobby we know this vulcan song and picard's like i know for her so that's what we're doing <laughs> And okay, the kids were like, let's choose, okay, let's we love you, like, you're the captain, you know? And, like, and we don't have to pay any rights for this one. so funny. Because then they just, they start climbing, and they go along with the captain. And that's what you love to see is, like, Picard is figuring out that, like, kids are just little officers that he can tell what to do as long as he makes up little songs like I just hope Jaka. that on the next episode when he and Riker are on an away mission together he makes Riker sing Frere Jacques <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> alright so they they live Frere Jacques works for whatever reason it works they make it to this hallway they have this big heartfelt celebration Picard and his crew even the little radish idiot and I, I just I just like the fact that like little do they know that very possibly the ship could have exploded right then. They could have made it to that hallway, celebrated, yeah. and if Riker and Data hadn't made it to the engineering room, boom. Is there uh, only one turbo lift? No, the there's one that multiple. Fell? There's, there's several yeah. cars, yeah. So, 
in in like a really morbid like Hellraiser version. Another one just comes down and takes them all, like decapitates them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's season seven when they find the lament configuration. So we'll we'll get an answer <laughs> to that. <yeah>. Nice. <laughs> So, I mean, we're kind of transitioning into the Data Riker story now. Um, they're in the tubes. They're up in the Enterprise's guts. And they have to get away from the Fratellis, and uh, they have to find One-Eyed Willie's treasure. They <laughs> yeah. have to go through all these booby traps. Um, so, yeah, they, they they meet some, you know, uh, MacGuffin thing that, you know, there's lightning, there's electricity. Arc, Data's yes. got it. He's going to have to sacrifice at least his body for this. But I was wondering why they didn't just take the head off first right. and then, like, right. push the body into the lightning. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Data can control yes. his body while his head's de- uh, detached. Ooh, remote control. Why not? Right. Uh, but the Bluetooth's out, so he probably couldn't do oh. it. Oh, good point. I love the entire headless gag when mm-hmm. he's sitting on the, the the table. Everything that happens there is amazing. And Riker delivers in the head on the table scene, too. Like, just his expression. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's great when Data says, uh, that is not correct. He goes, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they should have made your head bigger. <laughs> When Data gets zapped, he describes it as a remarkable experience. Do you think Data got real high? He got real fucked up? Oh, my God. He was like, that was a remarkable experience. Or was it like orgasmic? What yeah, do you I was going to say, it's probably an orgasm, yeah. What do they mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, I like that idea because since he uh, is uh, fully functional, mm-hmm. I think he's saying, boing! It's the only way he can get uh, get off in future episodes, just if he walks through. If he, oh, no. Just the body laying there with the big old bar. <laughs> It's now time to remove my head, Riker. Which one, Data? <laughs> so, Dr. Doctor Emily, I have a, a question for Dr. Emily. So, there's sort of, like, this ethical dilemma for Riker when he's, mm. like, deciding, can I really push Data into this stream of electricity? Is that really, like, an ethical dilemma if he's in a, kind of an inanimate object and the guy's telling him to take his head off? Good question. I, I don't think so. I think, I mean, I don't think that there's, he gave his consent. So can D- Data make this decision? Can he actually mm-hmm. give consent? Or is he not, does he not understand the the futility of it? Does Data seem suicidal to you? Does he seem like he would be capable of self-harm? <laughs> From my understanding, he does have consciousness and he does have decision making, right? Like it's not he was programmed, but then he um it's not all programming. So I I think it's ethical. I think he I'm on board. Push push, push data in. <laughs> Dr. Emily would shove that android into I wouldn't have even hesitated. Shove <laughs> him in there. Don't even take his head off. No. Just shove him right in there. <laughs> Dr. Emily Alder, I have a question. I keep having this dream where I'm in a bare-knuckle fist fight with a certain um, podcast producer engineer, uh, and it's a fight to the death, and we're shirtless. Is this? Do you think this means anything? Well, clearly you're in love with your mother. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yes, thank edit, you. Thank edit you. Points, <laughs> everything. Edit point That's right $150. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. I'll Venmo you. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, just more, I just want to lay on more Troy love, like that scene in the, uh, the ready room where, like, she tells Ro kind of what for, like, where she finally kind of steps up and, like, you know, says, this is what we're going to do, we're going to give everyone a fighting chance. I don't know, just the way she kind of moves forward and the music swells, like, I got chills every time I watched this up scene. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Good scene. I, she should have, um, if she since she was clearly channeling Picard, she should have done her Picard impression at some point. Um, 
But which would be? Does she have a Picard impression? I don't know. I'd like, to hear, also? I'd like to hear Cameron's impression yes. of Troy doing. He's trying to clue you up, Cameron. Oh, no, no, no. That's we okay. have to give to them a fighting chance. <laughs> People, this is too many moves. I can't do it. I can't I'll do it. I'll decide when we separate. The <laughs> but That's okay. Right. Well, speaking of Troy channeling Picard, I did want to ask you because when she's sitting in that chair again, she looks magnificent. What do you think Troy's captain phrase would be? Every mm. Star Trek captain needs a phrase, a catchphrase. We've got make it so, engage, punch it, do it, let's fly. What's Troy's? Uh, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> let's ride the chocolate train. It's a good question. <laughs> the chocolate train, that's funny. Push the go button. <laughs> let's feel let's the feel universe. It. Oh, yeah, there we go, <laughs> Get her done. <laughs> Mm, yeah, so, uh, that's a good question. Let's move like my mother's about to beam on board. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I like that. I think, yeah, I like that one. That's pretty good. Right. Blow Oksana mm. out of here. All right. Well, before we get to the uh, final scene, any, any other notes from any of those no. disastrous subplots? Anybody? Mm. No. Uh, yeah, so then we all come back on board. Uh, life is slowly returning to normal aboard the Enterprise. Uh, then the kids come in with their little plaque. I have to say, that's like the shittiest plaque I've ever seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and not a radish to be seen on it. Oh, no. It was so adorable. Oh, I'm sorry. Marcy. Oh, it was cute. That was funny. I, I like love it. that Like that, what she says is exactly what's on the plaque. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so yeah. freaking cute. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure John might have to check the facts for me, but I'm pretty sure this stays in his like office because there's like a lot of scenes where like you see his he saves things from different episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you I see, think like the Chadish yeah, dagger yeah, I'm kind of I'm pretty sure it stays there. But I think we see it again. Yeah, we see it again. And so I just love those little callbacks where like this m- moment meant something to him, like. When he says, we're going to take a tour and we're going to go to the battle bridge, like he's changed his mind. Like he wants these kids to really want to love Starfleet the way that he loves Starfleet. And the way to do that is show them cool shit, not dumb shit. So um, unless he takes them to the battle bridge and then he's like, all right, separate the saucer. And then he just ditches (laughs) them there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. What do you think? Uh, you remember when he asked Marissa what her science project was, and she was sh- too shy to say? What do you yeah, think? We I never, ask, we never learn it. What do you think it was? Why would she be embarrassed? I think she she like created the the cure to UTIs or something, or like uh, something really like vag specific, like a uh, uh, yeast infection. Mm-hmm. And she's Whoa. like, I can't tell. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't tell Captain Picard. It's a vagina. It's a vagina science thing. It's a vagina science. <laughs> because even in the future, we can't talk. I can't look at you and talk about a vagina. It's the one thing you have to pay for out of the replicator is feminine hygiene. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. That's just terrible. the way, isn't it? No. What? Can we get the last number one line, though? Yes. Well, later this afternoon, we're going to finish the tour I promised you, starting with the battle bridge. I'll see you at 1,400 hours. You have the bridge, number one. Aye, sir. Aye, sir. Oh, so cute. Identity oh theft God. is not a joke. <laughs> it's so fucking adorable. I, I just want to see uh, see her and Riker have to battle it out now. On the, I know, the when they ring. look at each other, I mean, 
you know Riker starts like mentoring that girl. Like he's like, you're going to be number one. I'm sorry. The captain gave me the pips. I'm, I'm keeping it. <laughs> yeah. And I love the pips. Uh, yeah. We get to, we ready to rate this? How are we rating it, Rob? Uh, let's see. Mm. One to 10 radioactive barrels, um, mm. realistic umbilical cords, um, <laughs> radishes, um, <laughs> or dead moths, or dead moths, or android heads. Or a percentage of the dead families, if you're Bobby, you think it's 98. Sorry. Um, rounds, uh, how many rounds of Frere Jacques we should sing? And you have to yeah. sing them. You have to sing, no, like it's no. a nine, you sing, sing it nine times. Not sing them. And then, or uh, t- uh, torn perineums. Perineums. Um, <laughs> perineums, sorry, perineums. For- torn perineums, that's me. I think rad- it's got to be radishes. Radishes, I yeah, for sure. For the- Torn perineum. Perineum. Like obviously I have no children, but I have to. I'll do the radishes, which is just a symbol for the same thing. How many torn no. radishes? Torn radishes. Just radishes. I like that for the radish boy. For the radish boy. Come for on, the radish guys. boy. Um, this is a solid. God, you know, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna rate this based on my first uh, watching watch through because uh, I really, really enjoyed the first watch through, and I think this just episode doesn't benefit from watching it a day later i think it, if i came across it like a year from now i'd probably also enjoy it but for that first view i'm gonna go is it crazy to go nine radishes is that crazy okay nine oh, radish that's a good damn good radish count nine radishes i enjoyed all the all the competency all the people succeeding at their things and um it was fun cameron oh me um I really like this episode a lot. I was just watching it. I was like, oh, they're doing everything right. Like, I don't have, I mean, I guess maybe like Jordy and Crusher playing Donkey Kong was a little like questionable, but I I don't know. It was a really, really good episode. (laughs) I'm kind of tempted to throw a 10 its way. Like, what is, I mean, is it, is it like a 10? Is it the best episode of TV ever? No, not really, but is it the best of TNG we've seen so far? I think it's like the just the most solid, strong. It's funny. It's got good character drama and growth. It's well constructed, yes. and it's making Marcy happy. So not a lot I'm of giving missteps. it. Sure, I'm going to give it a ten. It's, it's yes. my first ten. Fireworks! Fireworks! (laughs) There you go, radish boy. (laughs) Plus, we had that midwarf joke earlier, so like, I mean, (laughs) that that joke is a ten. Well, um, uh, uh, Bobby, Bobby. what do you got? I would give this ten radishes for Worf. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you will never like. This is like literally my favorite birthing scene I've ever seen in any birthing scene ever in my entire life. Like, if I could only have one birthing scene for the rest of my life, I want to hear Worf. I don't care who Keiko is. No offense. But, like, if Worf is just saying, oh, don't you know? Or whatever. Like, you know, like, that. that it's so funny. The comedy value of that alone is a 10. As a episode that uh, moves the series along, well... Here's the thing. You do get all the, like, primal characters out doing conflict. And I like that. I mean, that. Deanna, Bobby. Hey, Marcy, wait for your turn. <laughs> I, I know, I know, but, like, do they really let Deanna Troy, like, really do it? She has to, like, not, she doesn't even get a punch. Instant, like, if her and Anson Rose fought it out, you know, like, she whiplashed. If Troy whiplashed her hair against Anson Rowe and choked her out. And, yeah. And O'Brien was like, go, Troy, go, go, go. You know, uh, maybe. Like, but, can I drop uh, my rating back down to a nine? Because I, I'm, I'm thinking Bobby's might be the 10 version now. I do not think that this is a 10 overall. 
what I will say about it is that it's it's interesting because outside writers wrote this, and so mm. they they took a they took a, di- a different direction, and I I like all the weird oddities. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I would give it a. I'll give it 7.8 radishes, which is high for me. That's high for me, okay? That's high. That's more than I expected from you. (laughs) All right. Dr. Emily, Mm -hmm. how many radishes are you going to throw at disaster? Um, I think I'll rate it seven radishes plus a bloody baby. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. How many many radishes is a bloody baby worth, though? (laughs) At least least 20 on the black market. Oh, wow. Very good. Uh, Marcy. Oh, I'm sure you know what I'm going to rate this fucking episode. It's the best fucking episode in Star Trek, in my opinion. That's why I'm sorry, Dr. Emily, like that I came on. But like, I could not not be on this episode. It's so amazing. Like, She didn't yeah. leave the Zoom room from the last time we recorded it. She was still sitting there. Two weeks. She I, I in the last three months I think I've watched this episode like five times and every time I watch it I still like it like every storyline is funny and interesting like even the Geordi and Dr. Crusher there's like the very beginning where it's silly and funny oh come on Bobby and <laughs> <laughs> I think like it doesn't overstay its welcome the, that scene, at least. the scene with the kids like yeah. this was one of the most memorable episodes like I have a very poor memory. And like you could say, Marcy, what about this episode? And I'd be like, ah, I don't remember it. But like this episode, like every storyline is very pretty very clear Aww. in my mind from watching it many years ago. So Aww. it obviously left an impression on me. And I think like obviously it's ten out of ten. Ten out of ten Yay. radishes. Okay. Radish Aww. boy gets ten out of ten. I mean, if you ever mention this episode to Marcy, she'll start singing Frere Jaca. Frere Jaca. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. Like it sticks in your mind whether you like the song or not. Like you remember that Jean Luc Picard saying Frere Jaca to those fucking little kids, and they climb that goddamn tube to get out of there. And like he put when he puts the pips on them, like that's so heartwarming. And then later they still have their fucking little pips. And Riker, number one, and Marissa, number one, are like, hey. I mean, I don't know. It's It was amazing. I love this episode. Marcy, I, I love you. That's so sweet. Producer John, we are unfortunately out of radishes. <laughs> so you're going to have to rate yours in the Gondol 4 moths because your rating will die in 20 days. No, okay. Yes. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Good sound. That was a good That's one, Um That's a solid eight and a half episode, but I got to take away a half point for each of the three annoying bad kid actors. So it's a seven for me. (laughs) Whoa. Oh, damn. I thought it was going to be Cam, but it's John. We know the Picard. Picard Those kids suck. He hates kids. (laughs) The Picard of the podcast. Um, Yeah. All right. All right. Well, if you have any uh, horrifying birth stories or have ever been trapped in an elevator with three crying children, why don't you come on to our social medias and tell us. All about that. You can do that at facebook.com slash greenshirtpodcast, at greenshirt87, or send us an email detailing those harrowing experiences to greenshirtpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, Instagram, we are greenshirtpodcast. And come buy a uh, mug or a um, 
Ooh, oh, t-shirt. That's a good looking Whoa. mug. Uh, come to slash green shirt if you'd like to. I don't even know if I have this on the uh, website or not. Um, <laughs> uh, Does it so, help no. if you don't put it on the website? Well, in two weeks by the time we. And also, they can't, I, I like they can't see this. Just start start selling radishes on the store. See what happens. Yeah, <laughs> smart. I like that. <laughs> um, yes. And then always go by our, uh, go by our iTunes or Podchaser pages. Leave us some stars. Leave us five radishes. It uh, it means the world to us. We we really need some radishes for our yes. salads. And the code to get into my storage unit is Doctor Emily. Do you have anything you would like to pimp? Uh, everyone should be in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely us. You all need Just to go the to therapy. Or everybody. <laughs> everybody. Wait, like more or yeah? <laughs> all right. What are we watching next time? Next episode is called "The Spine of a Klingon." No, the Bring next episode is called more. "The Game." <laughs> What? The spine of a Yeah, we just okay. keep talking. <laughs> okay. It's called The Game. The Game. The Game. Um is okay. Wesley. Wesley's coming back to the Enterprise and he's learned I know we always joked about him playing D&D with the Nerd Squad before, but they didn't actually. That that was just our headcanon. But now he comes back having learned D&D at college and he starts teaching it to all the all the the crew members and this is like another very special episode like that tom hanks movie where he got addicted to D and started hallucinating and trying to kill his friends mazes and monsters the, the mazes and monsters yeah yeah they all they all join a cult they all start worshiping satan trying to stab each other and they've got to stop it all right the game actually this episode is actually about a competitive jenga tournament sorry camera oh. <laughs> and the ship keeps shaking and ruining the the tournament this this so the game actually takes place is a whole another subplot it's that a, happened during the disaster. Yeah, it's all deleted, oh, okay, all deleted cool. scenes from this episode. <laughs> to save money, they had to just put together. Okay, they, they had the umbilical budget was too high; they couldn't afford to have this this uh, F plot <laughs> or G plot. Uh, you know, that I love umbilical F-plots. cord was amazing. Check out that <laughs> umbilical right. cord. <laughs> Check it. All right. All right. Well, we'll see you next time for to talk all about F plots. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you, Marcy and Dr. Frere Thank you. Thank you. It's raining tacos. <laughs> you may now give birth. 